Welcome to your Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. Come on, are you ready?
Jesus from our grave. Your spirit lives in us. You save, you heal, you restore, reveal the Father's heart to us. You rose to raise us from the grave, and your spirit lives in us. Oh, you say, you heal, restore, reveal the Father's heart to us. as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament. Our narrative today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 31. We'll read through chapter 4, verse 25. Here's an overview of what we'll be reading about in Scripture today here in the New Testament. In our increasingly computerized, impersonal world, warm relationships among members of God's family take on major importance. The church should give the loving, personalized care that many people find nowhere else in the world. Jesus taught the people by telling stories called parables, using familiar scenes to explain spiritual truths. He often referred to fishing and farming to get his point across, because these were the people to whom he was communicating. This method of teaching compels the listener to think these parables. It conceals the truth from those who are too stubborn or prejudiced to hear what's being taught. Now, the hearing Jesus wants from us is not the kind we use when we listen to you know, background music or when someone starts to uh, recount a long story we've already heard. To truly hear Jesus' words is to believe them, to use them immediately in decisions and attitudes, and to base life on them. Your recreation and work, family plans, money matters, praying and singing. To hear Jesus' words is to make Jesus your true Lord. So what's Jesus saying to you? All right, with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. February 19th, the New Testament, Mark chapter 3, verse 31, through chapter 4, verse 25. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Once again Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, 
So he got into the boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was thirty, sixty, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then he said, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples, and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word, and produce a harvest of thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp, and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand, where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Psalm 37 Verses 12 through 29. Being lowly hardly seems the proper demeanor to deal with enemies. God's warfare, however, must be carried out with calm faith, humility before God, and hope in His deliverance. Jesus also promises a sure reward for those with humble attitudes. 
Now you can tell a lot about a person's character by the way he or she handles money. The wicked person steals under the guise of borrowing. The righteous person gives generously to the needy. Wicked people therefore focus on themselves, while righteous people look to the welfare of others. The person in whom God delights is one who follows God, trusts Him, and tries to do His will. God watches over and makes firm every step that that person takes. If you'd like to have God direct your way, then seek His advice before you step out. Psalm 37, verses 12 through 29. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs, for He sees their day of judgment coming. The wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and the oppressed, to slaughter those who do right. But their swords will stab their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich, for the strength of the wicked will be shattered. But the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. But the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land, but those He curses will die. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned, or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others, and their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and He will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. But the children of the wicked will die. The godly will possess the land and will live there forever. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace.
Here's today's In Touch devotion. Today's scripture reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? It would seem that in a world of such plenty, there should be great contentment. Yet even in the most prosperous countries, the opposite is true in most cases. Why are so many people unhappy, anxious, unsettled, and discontent? First, it's because most of the world does not know Jesus Christ personally. Second, many people, even in privileged circumstances, are living on leftovers, emotions and attitudes left over from the way they were raised. For instance, those who as children felt they could never measure up to expectations are likely to experience feelings of inadequacy, rejection, and guilt as adults. They may also deal with resentment and hostility. And grown-ups who walk away from responsibilities or commitments when they don't get their way are frequently the ones whose parents caved in to their every desire. This is why it's so detrimental to respond to children's temper tantrums by giving in to their demands. The adult pitfall of low self-esteem often is created by a lack of childhood acceptance and affirmation. It's important for children to learn that they are of tremendous value to Christ. Their sense of security should come not from possessions, but from a personal relationship with Him. Otherwise, they may grow into materialistic adults. The behaviors that bind us start early. By the same token, positive mindsets can also be ingrained at a young age. Let's take this as a strong reminder to regard children as the gifts they truly are. The Lared Business Network, in association with the Refuge Ministries, presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. John, this next principle is so powerful, it's based upon Proverbs 21. Go ahead and prepare for the conflict, but victory comes from God. Boy, what a powerful statement that is. Right. A lot of people uh, think that life should be without conflict, and they don't understand the importance of conflict. Victory comes from God, and so when people think victory comes from God, they think it's God alone, that uh-huh. God fights the battle. No, he fights, he gives the ideas, and then we fight out the battles. And so different people have ideas that come from God and stuff like that, and then we struggle to iron them out, and that makes progress. That's and beautiful. So this is like making our own miracles. Oh, life, life <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't create a place where their conflicts are, uh, can happen, uh, you you really stifle progress. Well, this yeah. is going to be interesting. Our Lored Business Principle. There are those who think that life should be without conflicts, but behind every great man or woman, there are war stories. These experiences have taught them principles that make them wise. They have learned that the victory comes from God. God made us in his own image with the power to create. This starts first through ideas. One idea will stimulate another and then another, which leaves us with many opinions. For this reason, we don't always agree with each other because if we grow, it will come from an idea that will form opinions in us. So a major part of our life is learning how to act and react, and that's conflict. Yes, yeah, that is, that is conflict. 
and and there again saying like it comes back to saying like the reason uh that we have conflict is because somebody gets an idea and there's such a, a thought that a new idea is hardly ever accepted at first uh-huh. uh and in any invention or something that comes out with an idea people don't quite understand it and they they reject it but after it's discussed and stuff like that it becomes very popular you know and th- then that's make progress so you have to create an environment where that's allowed in your in your business in your business you have to allow give room for people it. to give ideas which gives a chance for conflict but then you also have to manage that conflict if you don't manage that conflict you destroy the business too well i could see lining people up yeah mm-hmm. As we deal with conflicts and testing, we should become better people, and through them we discover our strengths and weaknesses. It is very important to recognize that the victory comes from God, for it is through the creative gift of reasoning and choice that God gives the victory. Through this gift, we grow and overcome situations. Now that's a new thought for me, that actually his miracle working power comes in our uh, overcoming situations. That's right. He gives the ideas. See, God does, God, uh, philosophy-wise, I think that God is not a worker. Uh-huh. He's an idea man. He's uh-huh. an inspiration. He gives us the stuff. Then we have to work it out, and it becomes reality as we work it out. But it always causes conflict, and it's right. And through them in here, it says that we discover our strengths and our weaknesses, yes, yes. which means that without that discussion, without that idea, without that environment that you create that allows certain things expression, a freedom of speech, for an example, in America. I never understood what to call the freedom of speech. I thought, you know, we should control that and, you know, control the media and, and everything. But freedom of speech is very, very critical in a society or in a home. Freedom of speech. People should be allowed to express their views, but then uh, those views is what you have to manage or they'll get out of control uh-huh. and then the conflict turns into a war. Now, I you don't want that. that. <laughs> you mean you, you want that, but you have to allow uh, freedom of speech. A few questions we need to ask ourselves are, number one, has victory over the conflict made us better people? That's right. A lot of people sometimes when they, when they become victory, vict- win victories, they become haughty or they, they become angry uh-huh. about life and about themselves and they, they think life is unfair and, you know, and because it's because they didn't handle it right. But if they, if they handle it right, it, they, they, they look at it as a progress. Number two, has it kept <clears throat> us humble and thankful to God? Some people again turn critical. I mean, some people, uh, some people, uh, and some t- when, when they win, they, they they get haughty. And, yes. and but uh, but uh, we can't get critical. We we have to make sure that we don't get critical. We have to be able to look at a person, and uh, and even have a victory, saying like God gives us the victory. But then we can't we can't glory in that. Boy, that's if we do, we will be humbled. We have to we have to recognize that it was God in your favor that brought the yeah, victory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And number three, has it improved our character and taught us a lesson, or has it made us haughty and arrogant? Right, winning winning has a tendency of making you uh, haughty. I mean, I mean that that's uh, and if you win all the arguments, uh, you may lose a friend because you become haughty, uh, and that that's that's really critical. Those are critical things to measure. Saying like when when we get victory from God. Let's say that we get into discussions and in conflicts and we overcome the conflict. We may win the argument, but we may lose the battle. Because if you win the argument, you may lose a friend. You yes. can't. If, if, if you lose a friend through an argument, then you've gone too far. Uh, that's, that's not necessarily necessary. There is a way of being different and having different, different people's opinions and you expressing your opinions without losing their friendship. That's powerful, John. 
It is not wrong to have conflicts. In fact, we can't grow or make progress without them because most new ideas are initially rejected as they conflict with our old habits. Change is not always easy. Some of us never will. That's why we must allow time for an idea to mature or a conflict will turn into a war and separate us from important associates. Conflicts are the battles we fight in our mind. War is when it turns into hand-to-hand combat in the flesh. That 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 tells it all. Saying like, conflict is when we argue about things or when we give our opinions and stuff like that. But but when we can't control that, when we get angry and mean and insulted and uh, and uh, pride takes in, yes. th- then it turns into a hand-to-hand combat. I mean, I mean that gets into the flesh. That's why fights. Come. I learned when I was young that you can't afford to fight, even though I, I could fight. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I learned the value of not fighting, but, but negotiating. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, life should become, should become in negotiating, learning when to stop and when not to stop. You know, I mean, I mean it's a balance. Well, you know, I when to push see. and when to pull, yeah. I can see why that's wisdom. I can see what that it would be a fruit, the byproduct of wisdom. It's okay to prepare for the conflict or war, for without preparation we cannot win. Once a father took his son to a boxing match. The son noticed that one of the boxers knelt down and prayed in his corner. The son asked the father, Will that help him? Only if he is prepared to fight, replied the father. Likewise, we must believe that the victory comes from God, but we must also prepare ourselves as though it will not. And, John, I see this as such a powerful uh, principle of faith because uh, so often we want God to do everything, but that's not the way it works, is it? That's right. There's a there's a philosophy that uh, Christians have that uh, I differ with, and uh, it is that we believe that uh, since since we believe that God can do anything, we want Him to do everything, and that is a destructive philosophy. That is a, that that destroys a life, because God is not so much a doer as He is an inspirer. So so what we do is we say, well, we believe and we have faith, and then we don't do anything because we want to say, well, we don't want to get in the flesh. Yes. The spirit always, in order for things to happen, in, to happen, it has to turn from spirit into flesh. Flesh is what works it out. The mind is what you call the spirit, the idea. It will never happen unless the flesh works it out. Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, that, that's really critical, just like that, that kid said about that boxer. He prayed, and then the kid asked, will that help him? And the father understood that. He said, only if he's prepared. If, if he's prepared, yeah, then it's okay. He prayed, but, but if he didn't practice or if he didn't prepare, he's not going to win. See, so, so you gotta, you got to pray, but God gives you the victory based upon how much you, how much you work it out. That's then. powerful. We must also be careful when we win because it is easy to become proud and boastful, and if we do, we will soon be humbled. The reason God humbles us is to teach us something because he knows we learn more from losing than we do from winning. When we lose, we question God and ourselves as to why we lost. What we learn from this will cause us to grow in understanding so we can improve and win. Understanding is really the byproduct of successes and failures, not just successes. Absolutely. You know, it says, you know, we learn more from losing than we do from winning. Uh the reason for that is because when you win for a while, you get the feeling of achievement. Saying like you, you, you get that feeling, and the feeling of achievement is so good. And then when you lose, you feel so bad. You say, "I'm not used to this," you know. Now that at that point though, 
at that point, you become smarter and wiser because you uh-huh. say, no, I don't, I, I, I want that feeling again of winning. So why did I lose? And then, then, <laughs> then, then we search and look. Sure. Then we knock on, on doors and saying, like, we, we knock on God and saying, like, God, we pray and saying, like, God, why did I lose? I don't want to, I don't want to lose this. So we, that's how we learn. So, so losing is not necessarily, you've not lost it. It uh-huh. means losing sometimes means that that's the next step. You're preparing for the next step of a higher level. We should always remember that the victory is God's, or we will have to grow, go through that test over and over again. God wants us to grow and understand. When we are in battle, it's easy to ask God to help us, and we are ready to make all kinds of deals and promises to him, but we must not forget him when victory comes. So we should never be afraid of conflicts, knowing that there is a lesson to be learned which will help us in life and make us trust in God. Conflicts will come, but we must trust in God for solutions. This will build true godly character. Then we can tell our own war stories. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that everyone listening to this tape w- will recognize this that that uh, you've prayed already for something to happen and uh, and uh, you were in trouble somewhere. And you beg God, saying, God, get me out of this trouble. And if you do, I'll do this, I'll do this. I'll help uh, the poor people. I'll, sure. I'll pay my tithes. You make all kinds of, you present all kinds of things to God. And that's okay. That, that's okay. But then when we win, it's so easy to rationalize yes. that and saying, like, well, it was a weak moment and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and then not live yes. up to it. Yes. And God said, God said, it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it mm-hmm. because because it breaks your own word. So you hurt yourself. When you make deals and you don't live up to it, it hurts yourself for your future. And that's very, very critical. John, as we recap, what are some of the key things we should understand about conflict? Well, it's like that uh, father that... Uh, that son that asked the father, will that help the boxer if he prays? That, that is the issue. The issue is that we should pray and we should believe. Believing is very, very important in life because that takes you on offense because you believe in something. But the problem with that is that a lot of times when we really believe, then we don't prepare. Because when, then we want to have God work out the details. And we just, that's just not the way God designed things. The believing part is to put you on offense so that you believe you can so that you get involved. But then we lose track of what you're preparing for something, and we must prepare for life. Don't ever be afraid of conflict, but be prepared. That's the key. You have to prepare yourself because faith without works is dead, which means faith without preparing for the battle, you will lose. So it's very critical to prepare. My name is Jay Sloan and I uh, came to the refuge about a month ago. Came in not expecting anything. Came in from a Christian family. 
knew about God, knew about church, knew how to play the Christian game, can talk Christianese. The opportunity to come to the refuge kind of presented itself to me. I had several other job opportunities, was even considering going to the Navy. But God sent me to the refuge. God sent me to the refuge even though I was sober for 14 months, and he's working on me. I think the biggest thing that I've learned in the month I've been in the refuge so far is having a willing spirit and submitting to my spiritual authority. I'm looking forward to God using me in whatever capacity that may be. I'm just looking for advancement in the kingdom and uh, not necessarily personal advancement, but that uh, God can, can use me as his vessel to get the word out. I'm just so grateful for everyone involved at the refuge ministries from from the, the biggest role to the smallest role. I'm so grateful uh, to have people who care about me, people who pray for me, who haven't even met me yet, people who love me, who haven't even uh, had a chance to, to meet me. It's, it's an incredible opportunity to be involved in such a ministry. I'm so grateful for all of you who are in first phase and at the farm and you're thinking, what have I just got myself into? Or you've been there for a week or two. Keep your head down, man, and just submit. Submit to God. Submit to your, your authority. Um, and just pray. Pray, Lord, use me. Lord, speak to me. Speak to my heart. Speak to my issues, Lord. I know God is going to do something great in every single one of your lives. And I can't wait to see everyone in phase two. Love you. Thank you. Carry on from age to age 
that does it for today's podcast tune in tomorrow for another edition of transformation radio